Listen to WGN Radio's newest podcast, Behind the Badge, Illinois, hosted by David Hochberg. Behind the Badge, Illinois, views current events through the eyes of Illinois law enforcement leaders. Tune in. Visit WGNRadio.com slash Behind the Badge. This is Ukraine's top rock star, and we go live to Ukraine now for Joseph Lindsley to tell us more about this and what's happening today. Hello, Joe. Hey, Bob. Good afternoon from Lviv. Uh, This is a song called Vesna Mirabeau, and it's a collaboration with Slava Vakartuk, Ukraine's top rock star, and some of the most popular musicians from France. Uh, Yet another sign of how, you know, so many people in the creative world have come together uh, to support Ukraine. Uh, Vesna is a Ukrainian word for spring, and the song is an adaptation of the poem uh, The Mirabeau Bridge uh, by a famous French poet. And it has these words, I must bring to mind once again that joy always came after pain. Cometh the night, chimeth the hour, the days go on, I lack power. And I thought today that song captures a lot of the feeling here. Uh, it's about 60 degrees here in Lviv. It's a beautiful blue sky, uh, sunny day. Uh, for the first time, it feels like spring, uh, Vesna in Ukrainian. Uh, people are smiling in the sunshine uh, on the cobbled streets and in the parks. Uh, there's mothers with children, uh, people, you know, all kinds of people walking, soldiers, nuns, old folks, um, enjoying the sunshine and this c- kind of peaceful day, a very peaceful day here. Uh, after you know what was really a terrible and difficult uh, night and morning throughout the country yesterday, uh, in one of the parks here, I saw one of the points of invincibility. Uh, those are the tents uh, that were installed throughout Ukraine uh, to keep people warm when there was no power and heat. And I was thinking, this is a sign of victory. I mean, there have been many deaths, uh, especially in battle and from missile strikes. But when Russia began attacking Ukraine's infrastructure in October, uh, many people thought that this was going to be uh, a very brutal and difficult winter. And even in the cold, people have uh, kept each other warm and fed. And, and so now we've made it to spring. And, and it really is. So there is a, a good energy with that. Uh, a girl I met in Kharkiv was telling me that uh, she doesn't remember the seasons in the time of war. She was saying, you know, was there a summer? She can only see and smell the smoke of war. And for her, and I think for many people, it's still February 24th. Uh, yet on this blue sky day in Lviv, uh, and as I was listening to that song, I was thinking, you know, there is this sense of uh, maybe a new confidence in the air. Uh, at the same time, across the country, uh, you know, almost a thousand miles away in Kharkiv, uh, in the east, it's chilly today. It's about 45 degrees. Uh, many people are still without power as a result of those uh, 15 missiles that hit uh, Kharkiv uh, and its suburbs uh, yesterday in the early hours. Uh, and actually yesterday from about five o'clock in the morning, until midnight, uh, I, hardly anyone in Kharkiv had electricity, uh, heat, uh, access to the, uh, their, their, their uh, phone networks were not working, uh, no internet. And I just imagine, so not only had they gone through that horrible night, but because they couldn't easily communicate, they didn't know what was going on and what else to expect. And so it was a very difficult situation. In fact, when uh, people started to get uh, phone service right about midnight, uh, friends in Kharkiv, uh, because I spent about the, the past month there, uh, wrote to me about their experience. And uh, one said, this night was hot. I do not remember so many missiles since the beginning of the war. And Kharkiv has seen some very difficult days since the beginning of the war. So uh, yesterday was one of the worst. Uh, in fact, another friend said, uh, the last time this happened uh, was only in the first days of the war. Uh, the Russians were using 
uh, among the 81 uh, rockets they fired on Ukraine yesterday, uh, they had six of these Kinzhal uh, hypersonic missiles, uh, which, as I said yesterday, Ukrainian air defense is not uh, able to stop. Uh, the, Russia has a limited supply of these. Uh, it's thought that they have about 50 more. And so that's sort of a scary thing to think, you know, how will they choose to deploy these missiles that can currently not be stopped? And how quickly might uh, perhaps, say, a Patriot missile system come from the United States that possibly could stop uh, those uh, menacing missiles? Joseph, you painted such a lovely picture of the scene uh, where you are on a relatively warm day today. But I have to tell you, I was watching the news last night, the video of the destruction. Just horrible. And and I had a thought. When, when Putin sees this, some some thought must cross his mind about well, if I get this territory, I've got to rebuild everything. And the economy is really a difficult one in Russia now, and they're going to have to spend billions of dollars. So, I mean, is that just a, a crazy thought on my part? Does he even care about that? Well, if you look at cities like Mariupol, which was a lovely city by the sea, a, a productive port city, uh, also you know, very beautiful place of parks on the Sea of Azov, uh, in the south of Ukraine, that's completely, you know, it's mostly enti- totally leveled. Uh, as, as people have said, it looks like Chernobyl. Uh, the same with the city of Bakhmut. I was there in, the, in June, uh, and there was fighting nearby, but it was a, it was a lovely little city, and now it, it looks like something from hell. Uh, and so this, I think Putin is not necessarily, he's, he's not driven by some kind of economic motives here, uh, driven, I think, first and foremost by some kind of hatred. That's the only thing that could uh, unleash such uh, destruction. And he wants to erase all memories uh, of these nice cities, especially these cities that were developed uh, these past, uh, you know, the past nine years since Ukraine's revolution of dignity, uh, when Ukraine really decisively pulled itself away from the Soviet sort of victim mindset and said, we're going to build a nice, lovely society. And so, you know, like all, most, uh, pretty much all the Ukrainian music I've ever shared with you, for example, has come from that eight year period uh, of, of this opening up of the society. You know, it's what we saw. Uh, and we talked about this week at Tbilisi, Georgia. Uh, I heard from friends today uh, there. They said all is better. The parliament refused to agree on the law and it's finished. We are back to the European way. Uh, that might sound overconfidence, but it really reflects this uh, idea among some Eastern Europeans, especially Ukrainians and Georgians. This idea of the Maidan, uh, which is the public square, it comes from a Persian word meaning public square, meaning whenever the people feel that the government is uh, going beyond its limits, uh, this is really the, a new fourth branch of government. I think we need to rewrite political theory, uh, improve upon John Locke and say the, what the Ukrainians and the Georgians and, and some others in the Eastern Europe have shown us. When the government starts to push too far, the people take to the streets and they say no more and they do it peacefully and orderly. And then the government backs off and then there's no further revolution. There's no need for further chaos. Uh, and that really is sort of the, the Maidan mentality. Uh, and, I, and it really enables society to function well. But what it does not permit is a tyrant. And so uh, Putin really sees that as a threat. And so I think he doesn't care about what he has to destroy, destroy when it comes to buildings. He wants to destroy a soul and a mentality of freedom. And that's actually the thing that's most difficult. And as I think we see here, impossible to destroy. I wonder if he cares uh, about things like that high-tech hotline Ukraine has. Uh, apparently, so many Russian soldiers want to surrender that they have this hotline set up. Uh, and they they call it the I want to live line. And it apparently is enticing some Russian soldiers to quit the battlefield as the war drags on. And we keep hearing stories like this, don't we, Joseph? 
Yeah, well, Ukrainians are very tech savvy, and so they'll they'll, they'll use all these uh, abilities to uh, to 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 reach the Russians. Uh, the, um, and I think you know maybe as time goes on, more and more Russians maybe will start to wake up. I mean, it still is the case that um, almost every Ukrainian I know ha- has a, a distant cousin or some relative in Russia be- because of the Soviet times. You know, there was uh, a lot of deportations and integration. And still, uh, uh, the Russian relatives and former colleagues uh, still have a hard time believing that this is happening. In fact, most Ukrainians don't even speak to the uh, their, their, anyone they know they knew from before the war in Russia these days. Uh, there was a famous video of a woman who was wounded in a missile strike in Kiev, and uh, she was she was taking a video of herself. Uh, some critics in America were saying, "Why would you take a selfie?" But if you listen closely, she's saying in Russian, "I'm sending this to my sister in Moscow, so she will finally start to believe that this is real." Uh, and so, so maybe in time, uh, this will happen. And yeah, hopefully, those Russians make a choice to uh, to stand for for peace and and and, uh, and decency. Before we sign off with you today, Joe, I want to share a couple of messages from WGN listeners. Uh, this text. Do you think the Russians are listening to Joseph's report every morning? And that kind of goes along with this email from Bill and Pam. Bob, Joe's spot on your show in the morning. It's the highlight of our morning. But it makes us nervous when Joe talks about what Russian missiles Ukraine can or cannot defend against. I'm sure they are listening. I wouldn't give them any more information than necessary. You worry about that, Joe? Well, on that score, I mean, it's widely known. If, I mean, you know, Ukrainian officials have said this, and that's why, and, uh, you know, that's why they're saying they need a better air defense system. Uh, everyone knows that these Kinzhal missiles uh, are, uh, are right now unstoppable uh and but russia has a limited supply so there's a lot to consider there uh so no on that score uh, i'm not worried but russia has certainly been increasing in the past weeks their information attacks uh many people i know and also i, I have received myself uh, very disturbing messages uh and so i think as they as they see that they're they're, they're still lo- they're, they're losing in bakhmut it seems i mean ukrainians still hold uh we have some reports and maybe there's some territory gained on the ukrainian side uh, and, and Russia seems frustrated. And so the information attacks have increased. And yeah, there is always that security concern. But that's uh, that's part of the war. Well, I'm going to keep in mind the line uh, you said here at the beginning today. Joy after pain. We certainly hope, don't we? Joy after pain. Indeed, Bob. All right. Be well, Joseph. We'll talk Monday. Until, until Monday.